All right, so I'm going to look at my slides uh, that I've done very last minute for tomorrow's talk. This is for Utah CF on the topic of how do we love God? Um, there is some construction going on next door. I hope it's not too distracting, uh, but here we go. Uh, I begin by talking about how I used to eat, and this is the truth, five bananas every day for three years. I ate two for breakfast, two for lunch, and one for tea. And so you can say that you love bananas, but do you eat five bananas every day? And this introduces us to uh, what it means to love God. You know, do we love God in a way that is distinctive as Christians and visible to the world? Is it obvious that we love God? And so half of this is going to be talking about response. It's not what we do, but we are responding to everything that God has done for us in the Lord Jesus Christ. He first loved us. But the other half is about something that can be seen, something that's obvious, something that only Christians will do that other people will point to and say, you guys are crazy, but you guys really love God. And we have uh, four points from 1 John chapter 5. There is faith, love, obedience, and overcoming the world. Oh boy, I'm not sure where you can hear that. There's some drilling happening next door. But yeah, the main point of 1 John chapter 5 is to remind us that God loves us. And that means the point is not to tell us how to love God. You know, we're doing that today, but that's not the main point of the book. The point of 1 John is to reassure us that you really are saved and loved in God. And I get this in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13. John says, I write this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, meaning you're already a Christian. But he writes this so that you may know that you have eternal life. You may know that God has saved you and he loves you in the Lord Jesus Christ. And with that being said, let's look at 1 John chapter 5. Let me read this for you. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. Oh boy, that's very, very noisy. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Christ, sorry, is the Son of God? And so we see here in verses 1, 2, and 3, the first three marks, or rather the three marks that recur in 1 John, faith, love, and obedience. And so I begin with the first discussion question. Your friend says to you that I believe in God, just like you, maybe, but I don't believe that Jesus is the Christ, and I definitely don't love him. And the question is, how would you respond to that statement in a way that's respectful, but also helpful for your friend? Well, let's look at our first point, which is faith. And here we see the importance of knowing God before we can say that we love God. We need to trust this God before we say that we love this God. And the controversy that's happening in the church at this time was that people believed that Jesus was fully God, but they did not believe that he was fully man. That means his flesh was 
<laughs> That's why John begins his letter by saying that which we've seen, we've heard, and which we've touched. He's talking about Jesus as someone who is real, someone that John knew personally. But the question is, why is this? Why is this important when it comes to knowing God? And here we see that faith grounds our love in Jesus. This is verse 1. Everyone who believes Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. Now, the only reason you can say Jesus is the Christ is because God has given you this thing called the new birth. That means this is something that God has done inside of you. He saves you, and then as a result of it, you go, aha, now I know that Jesus is the Christ. But then he adds, everyone who loves the Father. And he builds that connection between faith and love. Everyone who believes, and then everyone who loves the Father. Or put it another way, everyone who loves the Son is equated with everyone who loves the Father. And what essentially John is saying is that you want to know how to love the Father, you want to know how to love God, focus all that love on knowing Jesus as the Christ. Now, if you think, if you think of it, it is strange that God will want us to love Him in this way by focusing on Jesus. But there is one big implication of this truth. That means you can go to any religion and you can ask them the same question, how can I love God? And they might say some very, very helpful things to you. They might say to you, give your money to the poor, or love your neighbor, or be a good citizen, or even, even worship God. Now, many other religions outside of Christianity will teach you those things, but only Christians will say to you, you cannot love God if you do not believe that Jesus is the Christ. You want to know how to love this God? First, you need to know that He reveals Himself in the person and in the work of Jesus Christ, His Son. Faith grounds that love in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's our first point. On to the second question. Your friend says to you, I love God, but I don't like Christians. <laughs> and the person who's saying that to you might be a Christian themselves. I don't like the people in this church. Now, how do you respond to that? Well, you guys know the answer already, especially if you came last week. You studied 1 John chapter 4, which says this in verse 20, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Meaning, don't bluff yourself. You don't love your brother, you hate your brother. It means you actually, actually hate God. Now, having said that, 1 John chapter 5 says something slightly different. And it says this in verse 2, By this we know we love the children of God when we love God. Now that's the bali, the opposite of 1 John chapter 4, which says you don't love your brother means you don't love God. But here it says you are loving your, your brother when, when you're loving God. It's a bit confusing, right? But it's saying something very, very important. Loving your brother is important, yes, but you don't love your brother in order to earn your love from God. Now, some of us, we really, really love 
coming to CF. We love serving. We love the people here. They love me. I love them back. But, but it is possible to do all that and on the inside actually not love God. Hmm. One John chapter five says that that love for your brother must come from your love from God. Don't bluff yourself. Yes. But also, don't get your priorities wrong. In fact, I think what it's saying is this: God's love is the real love that enables me to love my brother in the way that He wants me to love him or her. It's talking. It even talks here about obeying His commandments. Now, friends, if you do this thing long enough, you realize that loving people is really, really hard. You know, like have to come all the way to Kampa to love you guys hard. <laughs> But you know, sometimes you love one another. Why? Because God says, "I must love you," and that means you love people you don't naturally love yourself, and maybe you love people who don't love you back. But because you love God, you learn to grow in this way of loving others who also love God, and that's point number two. Third question: Someone says to you, "I love God, but..." I hate following all these rules. What do you say to your friend? Well, here I wrote that joyfully obeying God is a worthwhile struggle. It's a worthwhile struggle. That means what we struggle with is not the rule part, but the joy part. And all of us will feel that way at some point of time, because all of us want to do whatever it is that I want to do, not what God wants me to do. But here I also wrote, not merely keeping the rules, but obeying God's word is an expression of our joy and our love for God. Oh boy, actually, quite irritating the noise. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Okay, let's carry on. John says, "For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. Not burdensome, meaning not ma fun." Haya, must do this kind of thing again. Jesus says in Matthew chapter eleven, "Come to me, all you who are mafan and weary and burdened." And Jesus says, "I will give you this thing called rest." But then he says, then he says this: "Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light." Now he's talking about two burdens. I wonder if you noticed that. You know, that's the first burden that you carry yourself. Oh, so heavy! You're very burdened. And Jesus says, "You come to me, and I will give you rest." But then he says, "Now take this new burden. <laughs> take my yoke." And you think, "Wait, I just took off one burden. Now you want me to give me another burden?" But he says, "This burden I'm giving you is easy, and it is light." So the difference between the two is not one has burden, one doesn't have. Or by this, one is one type of burden is one that you carry yourself, and the other one is one that Jesus carries for you or even with you, and that's the difference between religion and Jesus. That's the difference between obeying out of burden, out of duty, and obeying out of joy. Obeying because you know the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, all right. Lastly,、uh, overcoming the world. Verse four says, "Everyone born of God overcomes the world." And what does that mean? Is it overcoming some sort of attack, some sort of pressure, some sort of temptation? And here I wrote that the world 
draws our affections away from God. So it's overcoming something that pulls us away from God. And I get this from 1 John chapter 2, where John says, don't love, don't love the world. And so verse 15, do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And verse 16, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eye, hear that desires, desires, and the pride of your possessions. Wow, look at all this stuff that makes me look good and makes me look important. Well, all of this is not from the Father, but it comes from the world. And so what the world is trying to get you to do is to fall in love with the world. But John says, you have overcome it. And the question is, how, how do I overcome this pull, this attraction on my desires? And the answer is, naturally we think, I don't want to love the world, so I need to love God more. You know, the answer is loving God more than the world. God's love helps me to overcome the world. Except that verse 4 says something slightly different from God's love. Let's look at verse 4. This is the victory that has overcome the world. Not our love, but our faith. Our faith. Verse 5, who is it that overcomes the world? The one who has faith or who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So it comes back to that first point. Do you remember? This is the objective faith in Christ that keeps us grounded in God's love. And that creates a kind of like protective layer against falling in love with the world. And that says to us two things. Number one, it says to us that you cannot overcome this love for the world on your own. The pull factor is just too strong. But when John says we have overcome the world, it's like saying that we've been born of God. It's not something that we do, but it's something that is done to us as a result of knowing Jesus. And so the key to overcoming the world is actually focusing on Jesus. That's the first thing. But number two, it's saying that faith is deeper than just an emotional response. Now, it's not less than emotional response, don't get me wrong, but it's slightly more than that. And let me give you an example from marriage. From marriage. If you're married, you know, all of us start out falling in love with one another. But there's a difference between being in love when you're dating and being in love as a married couple. That is, what keeps you together is not just how you feel today, but the promise of a reality that you're no longer your own, but you belong to one another in God's eyes as a married husband and wife. And there are going to be days when you don't feel like being married, but you need to remind yourself, hey, <laughs> I am. So I need to act I need to love, I need to respond to my spouse because I am married to this person. And what keeps us from falling away from our marriage to Jesus? Well, it needs to be more than just that emotional feels that I have for today. It needs to be grounded on the truth of our relationship of based on who He is, what He's done, and what He continues to do in us and for us as our Lord, as our Savior, and as our God. So summing up uh, these four points, the one word that I have to, for you is the word worship. Worship. And so rephrasing the four points 
faith, love, obedience, and overcoming the world. Faith means recognizing who Jesus is and giving Him His worth or giving Him our worship. Love means loving God, but loving God together as His people. Obedience means giving God my whole life and letting His word, His commands dictate the shape of my life, my holiness, my love, my righteousness through His word. Finally, overcoming the world, that means I will seek God above all things today. And yeah, yeah, that's the summary. <laughs> and with some reflection questions, uh, how might we try to love God? And I put here, without Jesus, without loving others, and without obeying His commands. And that's for the bit where they discuss, 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 and then they ask me some questions. Yeah. Uh, I want to show you the last slide because it has my um, phone number on it, but essentially I give them uh, ways for them to text me their questions if they want to ask me in, um, out loud in person. But that is my presentation for tomorrow. Yeah, uh, what do you think? Is it okay? Is it too short, too long, too chonghei, not long enough? <sighs> Whatever it is, I'm glad it's done. <laughs> See you guys tomorrow, Utah, Kampar. I'm arriving quite early. I'm arriving um, on the 11.30 train, meaning I'll be there by lunchtime. But I'm meeting you guys for dinner. So I'm not sure what the arrangement is yet, but I'm going to meet you guys for makan. And then we're going to have this time together looking at God's word. And then, yeah, the, we'll see how we can spend time together in the fellowship, you know, in God's word, and maybe even after. Maybe if we want to go mama or something, that'll be cool as well. But yeah, looking forward to it. See you guys tomorrow. Uh, let's end with a prayer. Lord, this is such an important question to answer. You know, how is it that we love you? And we start just by reminding ourselves that you love us fully in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we just want to respond to that love. And please, would you use this occasion of meeting together in the fellowship? Please speak to us through your word. And please use this talk, this sharing that I prepared in such a way that we can know that we can love you and that you help us to do so through the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen. Amen. Bye. Shh.